Superb. Well, good morning, everyone. It's very good to be with you back here again in Moody'sburn, and it's a joy for my wife to be able to join me as well, just to be here for the weekend. Uh, first of all, it's it's nice to see you all, and thank you for your remembrance. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, we're going to read in a little moment or two. I'm going to just share a little bit about a wee update on our work. Uh, just back in May time, I went with a number of folk out to South America on a work trip. I'm going to share a little bit about that this morning, and then also want to try and just inform you a little bit of literature and stuff. Everything on the table is free. I know whenever I come to Scotland, you like to give things away for free. They're always it's like Northern Ireland people. You, if it's free, I'll take it. Uh, so it's there for free, and the pens, all them wee bits of literature. If you'll see a wee web page on the side of our pen, if you're if you're surf the internet, uh, I seen a woman this morning. She must be at least seven day, at least seven anyway, and she was surfing away. She's what they call a modern day silver surfer. And uh, so, if you would like to surf our internet and find out, or we'd love you to click on our web page and connect there, and we'll go from there. But let me just very quickly just try and just very just share a little bit about the work. And hopefully this will work, and it's not working at this present stage. I don't know why it's not working, but we shall see how we get on. Uh, are we away this time? There we go. Thank you very much. First of all, if you pray for us as a mission, as a, as a church, you've supported us as a mission. We are very, very grateful to you. Our missionary family, as you see on the screen before you, is, is very grateful not only for your prayers, but also for their support toward our work. Our founder was a man by the name of a Mr. William Strong. Many of you have heard of this. You'll have heard of him through whenever Miss Pauline English was here uh, before I took over from her. But some of you are maybe never met Pauline. Uh, but uh, our founder back in 1923 was exercised by the Spirit and directed through the word to go to South America to work among the, the military in Chile. And then that work would be transferred on to the work of the Gideons. And then he would see a greater need within Chile itself to reach men and women. Just like, just like we heard this morning about the need in Moody'sburn and the need there to go and reach people. So for Mr. Strong it was this fact, this fact that there were men and women in Chile that needed to be reached with the gospel. And who does God send but God uses us to go and make the good news known. And so undoubtedly... What you will find is that as a mission we are working in these three countries of Chile, Argentina and Uruguay from the very north of Chile in a place called the Atacama Desert, a city there called Antofagasca to the very south and about, roughly about three quarters way down a little place called Lican Rey uh, where we have missionaries based there, a little camp centre as far across as Uruguay and then I had the privilege of being in Argentina this year about three hours west of Buenos Aires uh, we were working on a camp centre. Some might ask the question, well, why are we serving in these fields? Why Chile, Argentina, and Uruguay? Why do we go to these fields to reach men and women with the gospel? Well, it's very simple. There are, they reckon there are about 65 million people in these three countries. And many of them as yet are still in darkness. Many of them, just like outside this door, are still in darkness because they've never heard the good news of the gospel. And so this is the reason why God has called our missionaries to go to these countries. And so for me personally, I, I don't actually evangelize in South 
America for I don't speak Spanish. Uh, my role here is primarily just working throughout UK and Ireland, informing people about our missionaries and praying that God would indeed call young men and women and even older men and women to go and serve with the talents and gifts that God has given to them. But our missionaries are called to the 65 million people in these three countries and make the gospel known to them. And dearly, some would say that there are, many would say there are millions in darkness, but as, as the old prophet would say, how then shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And so that is our calling in life, and that is to make Jesus known. And so as a mission, our purpose is primarily is to glorify God by evangelizing and by establishing, reproducing churches. That is our core interest. And for many of our missionaries, God calls them primarily, first and foremost, to go in his name. And they have been, initially they have been converted and they have been, you could say they've been seeking God's word and they've been seeking God's will for their lives. And so God calls them to be missionaries, to go in his name. And for many of them they will go on, they'll be through evangelism, through one-to-one friendship, many different ways of just trying to connect with people with the whole purpose now. The whole purpose and that being of, of reaching the lost with passion. And that is our drive now, is that we might reach them, as, you mean, that we might go to where they are. Now Jesus never said they would come to us, but he said they were to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And sometimes you know, we, we expect the unsaved to come, come to us, but that was never the intention of Christ. Will it be in John 4, the woman at the well? Will it be in John 3, the man in Nicodemus? Jesus went to where these individuals were. There were those occasions when the crowds came to Christ, well it was the feeding of the 5,000. But it was primarily he was going to where the people were and that is a calling and we're called to reach the lost. And secondly that we want to see salvation come into individuals. We want to see people converted by Christ. And then and dearly we want to see little churches being planted. And for, and for many of our missionaries it is like a, it's like a, you might say well, what, what is this church planning? For many of our missionaries they're in an area for anything between 8 to 15 years. It's not, it's not whereby they come. It's like, and forgive the term of hit and run whereby we come in and we hit them with the gospel and then we run away and then we let them fend for themselves it's not about that it's about being in a thing for the long term sometimes we live in a culture whereby well if I get disgruntled with church I'll just jump ship and I'll go start somewhere else or I'll go somewhere else but that's not the whole purpose the whole purpose of coming and being a light and that's the whole purpose of our missionaries going to an area and working that area and seeing that work fulfilled not just that but the work, seeing the work beginning even in a living room for many of our missionaries that's exactly where, they're, where the little church has initially been planted just in their own living room didn't have a building, they didn't have premises and then from there and there then many many forms of outreach have taken place just to reach people to daily again just to see them brought to saving faith in Christ Jesus it leads you on to the three, the no growing the, the no growing go situation whereby endeavouring to then helping people to know more about God to be able to grow in grace and then and daily to be able to go themselves and make disciples and then the cycle all begins again whereby missionaries are called to go and they preach the gospel with passion reaching the lost for Christ seeing men and women coming to salvation then a little work been started all over again and that cycle just keeping going and that's exactly what our missions are doing long term throughout GMSA and, and the serving in these fields since our work began in 1923 there have been 11 churches planted in Argentina 5 in Uruguay and 57 in Chile and that number continues to grow to this day for which we are grateful to God for the work that he is establishing 
and the work that he is continuing to uh, the workers that he's continuing to use for his name's sake. Our international missionary conference takes place every January, and God willing, at the end of this year, or sorry, at the beginning of next year, 2019, we have two speakers actually travelling from the UK. Both are from Northern Ireland. And in fact, one of the speakers, if you if you pick up our little news, this little news uh, is a bi-monthly September October edition. On the back, uh, Pastor Ian Wilson has spoken as a wrote a wee sermon, a sermon on the tale of two fish. Please do make sure you pick it up, and that's uh, he's one of the speakers for a conference. We really value your prayers for that. I'll be traveling with seven others on uh, the 27th of December. And we're going out to our missionary conference. And this is where we're going just to work with our missionary family. And they're just very ordinary people. But they've got God's call upon their lives. And they're called to go in Christ's name. Very quickly, I want to just try and... About 18, 19 years ago, my neighbor came to the door. And he asked me a very simple question. Can I borrow a spanner? Now, I don't know, our brother lifted this this morning. I don't know, he thought maybe somebody was in tuning up the system. I'm not sure, but this is actually my spanner. And a neighbour came to me whenever I lived in Plymouth in the south of Ireland. We weren't married too long, but we lived in a row of terrace houses. And I was, sorry Darren. South of England, where did I say? South of Ireland? Sorry dear, sorry. Plymouth is not in the south of Ireland, it's the south of England. That's why it's always good to have your wife listening and she keeps you right. Uh, very rarely my wife's ever wrong, but she's right this time. And so, uh, anyway, uh, in the south of England, uh, we, we were there, he asked me for a spanner. Now, it wasn't a 32 mil by any means, but he was wanting to do, he knew I'd do a little bit of tinkering with my car and fix, change the brake pads and so forth. He says, can I borrow some? I says, surely. And then whenever he was in the house, he asked me a very simple question he says what do you do and I said oh I'm a missionary then he asked me another very important question this was the question what is a missionary this wasn't in darkest India and it wasn't in Africa this was just in the south of England and then he says well what is a missionary I would say well a missionary is somebody who goes with the gospel and making the good news known and then he would ask another very important question and this would be what is the gospel and there are many folks, the reality is there are many people, uh, whether it be here in Scotland or whether it be in the southwest of England or even, may dare even say it, in the north of Ireland who today sadly are clueless what the gospel really is. The gospel is that man is lost. The gospel is that Christ Jesus came to seek and save the lost and unless men repent of their sin and come in simple faith to Christ via the cross, they will never see heaven. That's as simple as that now. And, uh, and so I would that day have the opportunity to share with this man what is the gospel. You may say, what has that got to do with a spanner? Well, about this time, a year and a half ago, I put out a little appeal and asked individuals, would you be willing with your very practical gifts now? I'm not asking you, are you a preacher? I'm not asking you, can you lead a meeting? I'm not asking you to run children's meetings. I'm not even asking you, can you speak Spanish? I'm asking you, have you got practical skills like using a spanner or using a hammer or using a trowel or just using a brush? Could you be willing to go and serve the Lord? And one by one, these individuals started to come. Initially, I just one person, and it's the person in the top, my top right, your top left, Gemma, and it was just her and me. That was it going to South America. And I said, this is not going to work now because I need another. I just can't go to South America with another woman. I only go and travels with my wife. Uh, so I needed somebody else to go with me. And then one by one, they started coming, and all together, we had these individuals. Bar one, and that picture didn't go. 
and if you see along the bottom line there's a fellow called Ian Cousins just about three weeks before we were to fly out to South America flights were bought everyone was all paid up for and one Sunday morning out for a drive he would be blinded by the sun and it hit a wall and he'd go through the wall and the car would drop seven foot on the other side when the airbags would burst he would fracture sternum and when he'd go through the wall he would, and the car would drop on the other side he would actually fracture a vertebrae on his back and he would be left in hospital he's still in recovery in recovery but, uh, but he, the, the Lord is teaching him lessons just the way he's teaching every one of us and one of the biggest lessons for him was just Lord why, why whenever I felt very clearly you'd call me to go and serve for these two weeks why has this door closed me well sometimes in life folks we don't always understand why God permits certain things to happen in our lives we just don't have answers but we've got to learn to trust in God and so these individuals, some had never, there's a young man there called Aaron Henry, had never been in an, an airport before, let alone been on an airplane before. And so his, his second flight, his first flight would take him from Dublin to Germany. His second flight, he'd be on the flight for 13 hours. And that was his second flight ever in his life. And so it was about, he didn't know what to expect, but all, all of these individuals came to work. And that's exactly, well it was a farmer, a builder, we've, got a, we've actually got a, a writer there somewhere who writes journals, we have office workers, we have different individuals that just simply came to work and we went with, with uh, really to serve in Argentina alongside this young couple, James and Danielle Morel along with their six children uh, you've got Hannah, Jamie, Sheldon Josie, Matthias and Sophie and God had called them to be our camp directors in Argentina and so we went really to serve alongside them and really do what we could. 5am on, on the 25th of May we would strike out in the morning, we were called the Smurf Brigade, maybe you'll understand why we were called the Smurf Brigade but we set out on the Smurf Brigade and I got the title of Papa Smurf and then during the two weeks everybody got their own name and so it all, it all depended what sort of, what your mannerisms were like the two weeks was the names you were given. But anyway off we struck out till our camp centre in Chivlico in Argentina, this is our centre, there's about 20 acres of ground uh, we went primarily to just see, continue to see the work developing in different forms and, and very practical ways and, and one of the one of the projects we had in mind was finishing our second cabin or at least getting it ready for sleeping. These cabins will facilitate forty eight campers at one time. And so we have one cabin is completed, but there was another cabin that we wanted to push on for a second for our so that they could have ninety six campers on one occasion. And so it was just a daily it was just a daily slog whereby preparing the walls and getting the concrete ready and then literally from there tying and then blowing concrete on. And the team that was based here at this uh, this cabin literally worked excessively hard for two weeks just getting the walls ready and blowing on concrete. It was just a an, an ongoing slog but we are grateful to God for this team that really much very much so poured themselves into this work and did all they could to serve the Lord our second project was building a, a wall around our swimming, swimming pool and uh, God has wonderfully provided and that we had the swimming pool all, the actual the pool itself built but then we wanted to put a supporting wall when we arrived on the Saturday in Buenos Aires we were informed that there wasn't foundations dug or even concrete poured or blocks brought in so we had to endeavour then to look about getting a digger and getting it all marked out on the Saturday afternoon and God willing we're thankful Lord but on Monday morning the digger arrived and by Monday night the, the foundations were dug 
And then we wanted to get concrete and we were told they weren't going to get the concrete till Wednesday or Thursday. And this was Monday night. So that would mean we're going to lose two days of work. And whenever you're only there for a short time, you really do want to make the most of your time. And you want to make the most of the talents that God has provided. So I have to confess to you, I sent up a few SOS prayers, praying that God would provide the concrete when we would need it. And that night it rained. And it rained, and then it kept raining, and it just kept raining, and it lashed, and it lashed, and it continued to keep lashing out of the heavens. And the next morning, James, our camp director, came in with this big smile on his face. He said, because it rained, we can get concrete today. And so we got the concrete the next morning. The concrete would land in the lorry, and there would be five, long, uh, five uh, uh, wheelbarrows, and there would be 18 meters of concrete to pour. And, uh, and I can assure you that night, I didn't need much rocking to sleep. But we got the concrete poured and all ready, and uh, and the block men arrived, and the lorry man and he he bogged the lorry in the side of a ditch. I don't know if you call them shocks here, but we would call them a shock back home. But it's just a ditch along the side of the road, and that's the way the lorry lay all night with a load of blocks in her. But we eventually got the blocks out, and they're all manhandled. Three thousand blocks were manhandled at least three, if not four times over the week, over the fortnight. And so we're thankful for the team. We're thankful for the project that it got finished. We've got the wall built and all ready for another uh, concrete base to go between the, the swimming pool wall and the exterior wall for supporting. We were grateful for everything we were able to accomplish, not just the wall on the outside, but also the steps on the inside, just for coming down into the pool. It was just hard graft, that's what it was, but then the men knew that even before they went, and the woman as well. And, and I'm going to, people say, well, how did the woman get on? Gemma, you're only single woman. Well, she didn't want to work in the kitchen. She didn't come to work in the kitchen, even though men needed to be fed. But that's not why she travelled to South America. She travelled to work, and work she did. Well, it was pushing a wheelbarrow with concrete, or digging with a shovel, or or carrying blocks she just got on and grafted and some might say well what is your goal what's the whole purpose of this camp centre well I'm going to say it's threefold number one primarily it is to see the body of Christ edified and so in this camp centre we are running like uh, pastors retreats woman retreats various retreats just to encourage people in their Christian journey pastors who are, who are labouring Sunday after Sunday preaching the word and they're giving out and they need to receive in themselves and so we have pastors retreats secondly it's for to reach the lost for Christ this time last year, or sorry, January a year ago, that their very first camp, and at that camp there were 12 children who put their trust in the Lord at this very centre. And for us it was just like God's seal of approval that we were in the right direction. Over across the border in a place called Uruguay, they had a family camp during the same time, and there was a young lad who was 17, he was both dealing in drugs and taking drugs, and his mother and father, who were greatly burdened for him, prayed and they invited him along to this family camp, and on the Friday night he put his trust in the Lord and uh, we were grateful for that we really were grateful that God is working in people's lives. Thirdly it is to train full time Christian workers and so God has blessed the work with a young a man uh, who's just uh, came out of language school, him and his wife, the Wests. They're in their, I would say, in their late 50s. And, uh, and they have come to Argentina to set up a Bible college to train young men for the ministry. And so we are very, very grateful. We had a third project when we went there. And our third project was, was uh, th- sorry, I'll go back one. Our third project was doing a new front to the church. This is what you will see in Chivalacoy. This is what you did see in Chivalacoy whenever you, before you came into the church building it was just like a a warehouse 
And then what they did was they endeavoured to to build a church and, and renovate from the back to the front, so bring all the dirt with them. And so this, whenever you go into the church, this is the inside the sanctuary. This is what it's like. This is what it's like on a normal Sunday now. Whenever you go to church, whenever you want to go to the prayer meeting on a Bible study night, this is what it's like now. You'll see you'll see the children there with their notepads and their books. You'll find that whenever they ask for prayer requests, the children will ask for prayer requests as much as the adults will. And uh, whenever my wife and I were there back in 2015, there was a little girl who put up her hand, and I didn't know what she said at the time. We didn't, but afterwards we asked, "What did she ask the question?" And she said, "Look, I ask in prayer for my father who's left home and he's not a Christian that God would save him and God would work on him." And this would came from that wee child's uh, that was her prayer request. And so this would be a very normal scene now during the midweek. And so you will find the young people there, right, and, and also old folk, and out with their Bibles and out with their notepads and taking notes as to what is going on. This is our present missionary family, should I say, as it is. You will find the couple. Uh, there's a young, uh, young brother and sister to the my right, your left, and then beside them is their parents. That, that couple, Tom and Debbie Gibbons, they began this work in Chivalry about 18 years ago, met in their living room. And he has now become our general director, and he's now living in Florida. They have now passed that work over. And then you have James and Darrell Morell there, the next couple in. He's got a beard. And then the fellow with the orange shirt, a bright orange shirt, that is uh, Mr. West, uh, Dave and Patty West, him and his wife. And they are, they are, they are going to be running our Bible Institute, our Bible College there in Argentina. We were there for the farewell meeting for Tom and Debbie Gibbons, who's already said who were our directors there in Argentina, but now is our general director in Florida. We were there for their final meeting and it was a joy just to be there to see the fellowship coming together presenting them with little gifts and just showing their appreciation. You'll see that that was Sunday, the Sunday night meeting. Our team was in the very back the back right of the picture, last two rows but this is the little congregation and this is what you will find there whenever you go to the Chivalry on a Sunday evening as they meet together. And so, But primarily we went to try and advance and make the, the front of the building, try and help them with the front of their building and so the plasters came in and got the plastering all ready and then we sent a couple of our builders across and they began to put on the stone front a stone cladding on the front the funniest thing was the night that they went they were only here about three hours and the neighbourhood got out with their deck chairs some ladies came out and got their deck chairs and began watching the men working uh, in, in Argentina the workers are very very slow in fact a lot of the practical men the men who are plasters and builders and so forth are actually from Bolivia and they'll travel down and uh, and so they were f- quite flabbergasted how quickly these men were getting this work done and so they actually came out and they had their wee cups of mate and they were drinking away and watching as these men were wa- in bewilderment as to how much work that actually got done. We'd go back the following day and then we'd endeavour to try and get as much done as we possibly could before we jump on the flight and so although the, 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 the stonework in the centre will go right on up to the roof, that was as far as we could get done on that day but we were grateful for just about a day and a half's work uh, there on the front of the church and then God willing just where you see the doorway in that will be knocked out and there will be double glass doors on there and then a new church foyer inside before we go into the sanctuary can I just say to you we're really grateful if you did pray for us 
If you did indeed stand with us, whenever you go to Argentina, the people will be very generous. They'll be very hospitable. They'll bring you out pig's feet. They'll bring you out the pig's intestines, all done on the barbecue, the whole thing. And uh, they'll bring you out liver, kidney, you name it. Nothing will be wasted in South America. They'll cook it all and they will eat it in Argentina. And so they'll be very hospitable. Whenever we were there, we'd, we'd, have a, we'd, we'd get a rack of beef, which is versus just the side of a, of a bullock. Uh, you just cut the rib cage out of it and literally that's what you have there hanging on top getting barbecued and uh, they are very you'll see the size of the ribs now it's not like whenever you go to Sainsbury's or you go into Tesco's and you buy a wee rib that's not how it works in Argentina they'll be very much into their meat and literally uh, you just struggle now just, you just it's like handlebars that's just what it is and you just enjoy it and you get stuck into it a little Matthias here he loves the loves the rack of ribs and uh, and so undoubtedly that's what you would normally get but you need ice cream always to wash down good feed and so in, in, in Chevlakoy in Argentina there's a little ice cream homemade ice cream called Tropanis and we never realised this camp has been they've been there now for about 15 years the centre itself but this, they've had many teams but for the very first time they realised that Tropanis would deliver the ice cream if you buy at least 10 packets or 10 quarts a quarter of a litre a night and so some of us bought a quarter some of us bought half a litre that was each now that's not that's a half a litre each now of ice cream a night and so uh, we got a wee slight delivery and not every night but because my wife's here but most nights uh, we got uh, we got a little ice cream so just at, at the end of the day working hard all day it was a wee bit of a reward for the men and it gave them something just to look forward to especially if you've been carrying blocks or, or pouring concrete it was just something but I'm going to say to you one of the things for me the highlights on Sunday morning one of our workers, you'll see him to your, your uh, right, is Andrew Henry, one of the fellows who came. I asked him just to bring a little thought around God's word as we just meet together around the fireplace on Sunday morning. And uh, for me, it was one of those special times just whenever we'd just come together, we'd worship the Lord together and just sit around his word and be encouraged and blessed through his word. And so if you did indeed pray for us, we are very, very grateful. Can I just say to you, thank you for your prayers for Karis and I, but also for the work and also if you'd like to know more about our work this, I would just love you to put a name, give me your name and address and we'll put it on the mailing list very quickly can I just share this with you you'll find over here just a wee bit of literature on the table it's all free I want you to take it There's a wee, there, you'll get a wee pack and this is the way you'll see it sitting you can either take the wee pack just like this so you can pick individuals just take it like that and you'll find yourself a wee pen inside there's a new piece of literature we've just produced in these past few weeks training and missions it's really a prayer for young men and women who maybe want to come for a short term mission trip to see what it's like experience uh, maybe two weeks or a week or, or two months or three months or six months on the mission field would you maybe take that home and, and pray with, pray that those maybe as we get these out to young men and women and it's not just necessarily young men and women uh, the Lord's able to call older men and women as well even men and women with grey hairs God is able to call to serve in all our fields and so we'd be delighted if you would like to take one of these with you and the Lord bless you I want to just leave you a little thought uh, around God's word because primarily, folks, this is the re- primary reason why we have come to worship, but we've also come to hear his word. And I want to just leave you a few little thoughts around 1 Kings in chapter 2. And, and, uh, and, then, and then I'm going to just uh, have a word of prayer and then we'll hand back to our brother this morning. But in 1 Kings in chapter 2, very quickly as you're looking that up in your Bible, it's all about two men on a journey. And, and these two men, one is finishing 
finishing his journey, the other is beginning his journey with God. One is at the end, you could say the end, because he's about to be taken into heaven by a whirlwind. The other man, he's just starting out. He's just really starting out in the race. And, and what I learned from these two men is that every one of us are in different parts or different, different stages on the journey with God. But, we're, we ought, but the important thing is that we need to get on. We need to begin the journey with God. And we don't just begin the journey with God because we come to church. We begin the journey with God. And that this journey with God is that when we come into this place of saving faith with Christ. Saving faith. And that we have put our trust in Christ for salvation. And we have asked him to be our saviour. Now we know that God has been long at work in our hearts before. Has been at work maybe unaware to us. Has been at work in our hearts even before we have trust him for salvation. He has been convicted. Has. He has been using many things to open our eyes and help us to see that we need Jesus. We need Christ Jesus as our Savior, as our Redeemer, uh, as our Deliverer. Uh, he is our substitute and that He has bore our sins on His own, but He has taken our place. He is our Redeemer and that He has paid the price for our redemption uh, and so that we can draw nigh to Him. But let me read to you a few verses of, from what 2 Kings in chapter 2. And this is what it says. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as I soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they two went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy, um, away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as I so liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha, said unto him, Knowest thou that thy master, uh, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, I, yea, I know it, hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tar, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as I so liveth, I will not leave thee. So they two went on, and fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood the few far off. And they too by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together, and they smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither. So they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass... When they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I am taken away from thee. And Elisha said unto thee, I said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. We're going to end our reading there this morning and we know that God will bless his word to our hearts. A couple of little thoughts I'm just going to leave with you. And, and so often, folks, I'm, I, I, you find that the word of God is undoubtedly a, it is a, is a guiding lamp for us. It's a guiding light for us. That's what the psalmist would say. He said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's given to give me guidance. It's given to give me direction. Yeah, one thing you find here about this old man is that this old man, this old man of God is very much in touch with his heavenly father. Because what you will find is that this old man, God was, God was on the move with him, but God was telling him to move. Because it says that, that the Lord has sent me 
You will read this little saying over and over again in 2 Kings in chapter 2. It's that the Lord has sent me. The Lord has sent me. The Lord has sent me. And sometimes, folks, I'm realizing today that we live in a generation, sometimes sadly even within, sadly within, within, even within Christian circles, is that there are this sense whereby people, and, and please don't think me being disrespectful when I say this, but sometimes people put an awful leaning upon the spirit and they realize that, how long we meant here, and a lot of it's meant to be spirit-led, but it's not clearly guided to us from God's word. Because you'll find that the Spirit of God will not lead you in a way that is contrary to what God's Word teaches. Because God's Word will always confirm what the Spirit of God reveals. What the Spirit of God has revealed. He will not ask you to do something that is contrary to what His book teaches. So that's why whenever, whenever we speak about vision for lost, we can speak of vision for lost because the Word of God clearly shows us that where there, well, in fact, Solomon, or in Solomon writing Proverbs, uh, where there's no vision, the people perish. But undoubtedly we realize that, that by reaching the lost we are fulfilling what God's word says. Fulfilling the great commission. When Jesus says go into all the world and preach the gospel. No I'm with you always. And so whenever for example like you take that great experience of, you could say, of Peter on the, in the Lake of Galilee. And they see what they think is a ghost coming before them. Which was Jesus Christ himself walking on the water. Now Peter says, Lord, uh, Peter could say, Lord, I'm coming to you. But Peter doesn't say, I'm coming to you. Because Peter, bearing in mind, he is one of the disciples. So because he's a disciple, I'm just going to go to the Lord. But there's a problem between him and the Lord, and that is there's water. But you know as well as I do, you drop anything in water, it sinks to the bottom. It's the same for human nature. The moment you put someone in water, it just sinks to the bottom. But Peter says these words, Lord, bid me to come to thee, and I'll come. But Peter's waiting for something before he goes. And what's he waiting for? He's waiting for the word. To give him direction. Because he says, Lord, bid me to come to thee. And I'll come. Now, who was Christ? Christ was God incarnate, God in the flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the one who begotten the Father, full of grace and truth. He was God incarnate. So as he spoke, he spoke the word of God. So whenever you read in John 3 and 16, For God so loved the world he was, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What was he speaking? He was speaking the word of God. The word becomes flesh. And so whenever Peter, whenever they come to their senses and realize this is Christ, Peter says, Lord, bid me to come, I'll come. And Peter, the Lord said to Peter, you come. So what do you find here? You find the two W's that are crucial in the life of every believer. And what are they? They are the word. And the word confirms that we're in the will. Right? You can't be in the will of God if your life is contrary to God's word. Or you're living contrary to God's word. But if you're following God's word, you can know for a certain that you're in God's will. And so, as you go to reach the lost, you know you have God's word. You have God's word. Now we're not all we're not all cut out now to now I know this good lady said Everybody, I think that's really what she was saying. I think every, she wants everybody out to help her. But not everybody's cut out to do. We're not all built the same way now. We're not all built. We're not all built. We've got to find out our gifts, our talents, and our abilities. There are some people who are exceptionally good with children, but a nightmare working with old people. 
know what old people are, don't you? Do you know what old, I don't mean that to describe, you know what old people are, don't you? And there's some people and they're well good working with old folk, but they couldn't work with children because that's not their strengths and weaknesses. But one of the things you've got to find out is the talents and the gifts that God has given to you. And then you've got to use those talents and those gifts and those abilities. But the first thing I want you to notice is that we need to seek God's word. And so when we have his word then we can move forward knowing we're in God's will. It's not just we're by, well, I feel this is how the Spirit is showing me, or the Spirit is showing me Hold on a minute, don't you tell me what the Spirit is saying to me. The Spirit will show me through the Word what He wants to say to me. He will confirm it to me in the Word. So it's not that the Lord has told me to tell you uh, this is what you should do, or this is what I should do. He will show me clearly in my life now what I am to do through his, as I seek His Word. Because that's what he has promised his word would do for me. Then notice with me secondly, not just for the old man, he has got God's word. But this young man, now this young man, Elisha, as he's starting out in the journey, you can see his enthusiasm, his zeal, his, his desire that he, 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 he sees his master. And undoubtedly, primarily what he wants to be is he wants to be like his master. Why does he want to be like his master? Not because he wants to be another Elijah, but because his, life, his, his master was like his heavenly father. Right, so we don't, we're not in this world to try and follow people, but there are people's lives who point us to Christ, and because of their Christ likeness in their lives, then we want to be like them because there's a Christ likeness about them. There's a graciousness about them, there's a love about them, there's a compassion about them, there's a zeal about a pie. And so here's this young man, and he's starting the journey, and Elijah says, You stay here, Elijah, because the Lord has called me to Bethel. So he started in Gilgal, but they're now moving to Bethel. And Elijah says, No, no, as, as the Lord lives and as I so lives, I'll not leave you. So he's, there's this drive in him, he says, No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to stick with you, because if the Lord's teaching you lessons, I want to be there when he's teaching you those lessons. I want to learn at your feet. And then they get to Bethel, then, then they're in Bethel, and, and Elijah says to Elisha, Tarry here, for the Lord has sent me to, Gil, uh, to, to Jordan, uh, or, or to Jericho. And, and then he says, and, and Elisha says, As the Lord lives and as I so lives, I'm not going to leave you. I'm, I'm sticking with I'm going to Jericho with you. And they get to Jericho, and then he says, The Lord has sent me to Jordan. <laughs> I'm not leaving you. Now, I think one of, the unique, one of the beautiful things is whenever we come to that place of saving faith in Christ Jesus, and we realize we've come to that, into that experience of being born again, which John speaks about in John chapter 3, there's, whenever our eyes are opened and we realize what we were and what we now are, whereby once we were lost, like Isaac Newton wrote, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And there's this, this sense in our lives whereby it seems like we're nearly like floating in a cloud because I've, I've, I've come into this experience with God whereby my sins, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. All of my sin has been dealt with. All of my sin. Not just a wee bit. Not just the bits that people know about, but everything, the darkest secrets, all my sin, past, present and future, the blood, thank God, is able to deal with it all. But the sad thing is, as we move through the journey, we become lethargic and different. We become a sort of accustomed to life, even accustomed to the fact that we just come to church and... And it would be the other 
he was it became a hymn, but was initially written as a poet, as a poem. The poet would say, "Where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is that soul refreshing view of what of Jesus and what His Word? What peaceful hours I once enjoyed! How sweet their memory still! But they have left an aching void that the world can never fill. And so." What we can start off with enthusiasm and zealousness, but we can easily lose enthusiasm and lose zealousness as we continue through the journey. And so I'm conscious, listen, our time is well and truly gone here, and I'm not going to take up any more time this morning, but I want to just leave these two simple thoughts with you. Elijah, you learn... He's, wait- he's wanting to follow the Lord and he's waiting for the word of God to move. And so the question we ask ourselves is, am I seeking his word for my life? And as I have his word, then I can know I am in his will. Elisha, Elisha, he's zealously following his master. One third little thought I want to leave with you is that whenever Elisha is about to be taken into heaven, uh, or Elisha is about to be taken into heaven by a word when he says unto Elisha, what do you want me to do for you? And Elisha says these words, that a double portion of your spirit may be upon me. And what does he mean by that? What he means is, Elijah, you're, you're like God. And because you're like God, I just want to be like you. A God-likeness about my life. It wasn't that Elisha could do more miracles and wonders like Elijah did. As some might think, because sometimes people are caught up with being able, some people are all caught up about doing miracles and wonders and thinking this is a sure sign this man's in touch with God. Let me say this to you, whenever the disciples came back from healing the lame and making the blind to see and the lame to walk, what did Jesus say? They came back full of it. You know what I mean? You don't understand that expression, full of it. They were full of this sense. Where, Lord, look at what he did in your name. Now remember what else Jesus said in his name. Many shall come that day and say, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name? In your name healed many sicknesses. And in your name did this and that. And he will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. But these disciples, they came, Lord, look what we did. Look what we did. And what did Jesus say? Do not rejoice in these things, but rejoice in what? That your name is written in the book of life. So he's in your rejoicing. And while others might be thinking it's all about signs and wonders and all this here, and oh, I can do this and look what I've done, sometimes the reason why they talk about that is because they, they really, secretly, they want to be seen. But the Christian life is not about me. It's about him being seen in me. And I'm convinced that's why Elisha wants to be like his master. Because his master is like his heavenly father. And now Elisha says, I can see God in you. And my prayer is that men might see God in me. May the Lord bless you good people. And thank you for your patience.